at Discount Dumpsters, we offer dumpster rentals in the Dallas-Fort Worth area for every type of project, from small home renovations to large construction sites. Our 20 cubic yard containers are the perfect solution for home or business cleanup projects, roofing projects, even small home remodel jobs. We also have 30 and 40 yard containers for medium-sized homes, season cleanup jobs, or commercial projects. Call us for an efficient and professional solution to your next cleanup job. Visit us at DiscountDumpstersDFW.com. That's DiscountDumpstersDFW.com. Welcome to Parker's MMA Show. If you want to learn about all things going down in the fight world, you've come to the right place. Each episode, your host, Parker Keene, will take a deeper dive into the always entertaining world of sanctioned fist fighting. Now here's your host, Parker Keene. Before we get started, I'd really appreciate it if everyone would take a look down in the show notes and give me a like, subscription, share it with your friends. So, all right. UFC 245 was crazy, man. That was a wild card. Yeah, I thought it was just a great card, top to bottom. I mean, from the prelims to the main card, every fight was awesome. I mean, it was crazy. When was the last time you remembered enjoying a card that much? I mean, maybe like John Jones, Tiago Santos in July. So what was that, 237? Yeah. That was the one with Ben Askren and George Masvidal, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And Nunez head kicked uh, Holly Holm. That was great. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. No, I I thought from top to bottom that the prelims, unfortunately, I didn't get to watch the whole thing all the way through. I was kind of watching them on my phone. I was at a little Christmas party. But the main, the whole main card, I mean, I was just glued in, locked in. I mean, it was, that was awesome. Everything. So where do you want to start? You want to start at the main event? Let's get into it, man. I think that's as good a place as any. I think it was, it was something that for the first time in a while, I feel like we really moved forward the welterweight division because I feel like, I mean, Tyron kind of stalled it for a while, to be honest. And then we didn't really know what was going to happen with Colby and they booked the like the tail fight looks really weird in retrospect as a matchmaking. And so I think, you know, now we kind of have some hierarchy restored and really impressed with Kamaru Usman, honestly. That's uh-huh. probably his best performance that I can remember in terms of managing distance, actually having power behind his punches. Mm-hmm. You could tell Colby was kind of felt like scared to, to come in at times because of how hard Kamaru was hitting him. Um, it was very calculated, great game plan. I think what's what's funny to me is like you see a lot of people talking about the scorecards and you know how close the fight was and for me I didn't think it was that close like, I didn't think there was any moment where Colby was hurting Kamaru I didn't think there's any moment where Usman was in danger and I think Colby was really getting pieced up a lot in there so uh, what do you I, I had it I had it pretty close you know, we, we kind of talked about this last week. My biggest thing with Kamaro winning, I thought his power was going to be the X factor. And I think their striking was, I mean, their striking to me was pretty close. I would have liked to see more leg kicks. It was, you know, pretty much just a stand-up boxing match, pretty much. And, you know, I think Kamaro had the bigger shots, yes. But I think Colby was putting good volume together. I don't know. I, I had it very, very close. I had it two to two. Let me see, going into the fifth, obviously the the jaw injury, 
I think was a turning point. I think that Colby's kind of reckless throwing and combos kind of went away and he was a lot more conservative and it kind of looked like he slowed down a little bit, but I think he was just more protecting that injury. But I mean, I had, yeah, I had it two to two going into the fifth and I don't know. I just thought it was really close. I even thought in the fifth Colby came out and was kind of leading it a little more. And then obviously Kamaru caught him with those two big shots, dropped him and then ended the fight. But I, I thought it was super close. You know, for me, I, I would like to see a rematch, honestly. I know I think Colby's going to be out six months, but none of those other fights for Kamara really interest me. You know, I, I don't know. Who, who would you think he would fight next if it's not Colby? I, I kind of think that he wants Leon Edwards. I guess he's all about the meritocracy of the sport, it seems like. Mm-hmm. He really wants to, like, line up legit number one contenders and fight them. And so I think he wants Leon Edwards. And I, and think, I think he's the most deserving, fight. don't you? At the yeah, moment? The most deserving, probably, yeah. yeah. Um, is that the biggest fight? No. Do I think Leon Edwards? Do I look at like people's skill set and think Leon Edwards is the best welterweight on the planet? No. If I was Usman, I would be all over trying to get a Masvidal fight. But I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't think Masvidal wants that fight. Because I, I, that's no, just a, that's a super, so super either. risky fight for Masvidal. All this steam that he gained last oh, year, yeah. I mean, he could lose just a dominant decision and all that just kind of fizzles out. So for Masvidal, I don't, I don't see the attraction for that fight right now. I, I honestly think it's going to be either a rematch with Colby or it's going to be Leon Edwards. And I, I think I agree with you. I don't think that Usman is, you know, this big money fight guy he's not going to be chasing these giant fights he just wants to be the best of the best and become just a super dominant champion so i don't know like he almost reminds me of in terms of like his approach to the sport um and approach to like matchmaking it reminds me of what demetrius johnson did for years where he was like no i want to fight the number one guy in my weight class right like i want to be active i you know and just take on these contenders and I don't really care how popular they are or not, which obviously is it's commendable as like a hardcore fan of the sport. I mean, it's different at welterweight. You got a lot of stars, you know, you got big names at welterweight. Um, whereas at flyweight, I mean, there's, there was a lot of good fighters, but there's no big names, big draws. That's why, you know, mighty mouse never became a giant star. So I, man, I, I don't know. I just, I think if Colby would have won, there's a lot more avenues you could have went, but I, I don't know. I'll just, I'd be very interested to see what they do with Usman. I, I definitely think Usman's world-class after watching that. And so is Colby. I mean, both of those guys are phenomenal fighters. So, yeah, I, you know, the thing I'm actually think is kind of a dark horse to Maybe not be next for Usman, but let's say Usman and Leon Edwards is next, right? Mm-hmm. And and Usman takes that home. I actually think a guy who doesn't get brought up a lot but could be one fight away from the title again is wonderful. Yeah. And I, I think Usman would be interested in that fight. Well, Wonderboy's a guy, he's he's like a he's yeah, he's a specialty guy that you know, he's, he's been able to stay up at the top five of welterweight for what, almost, you know, a decade, <laughs> six, seven, eight years. 
he's been yeah. there just because he's super, super talented. So, man, I, I don't know. I I kind of like the idea of being floated out there of Masvidal versus Wonderboy. To me, that's a much more fun fight than Usman versus Masvidal. I don't know. I I love I love that. I you know their first fight was great. I mean mm-hmm. it was a it was a close. It was a split decision. I think even I, I forget if it was a unanimous decision or a split decision, but it was like neither of those guys took control of that fight. Like. I would just hope that they booked it again, you know, and I think they should do this with all rematches in, in general, if they're worthy of it. But I just want to see it for five rounds. You know, I think three rounds, like we saw it, it was a good fight, but I, uh, I want to see that for five rounds. I'm, I'm down for Masvidal against Wonderboy and mm-hmm. Edwards against Usman. And then winner of Masvidal, Wonderboy, whoever wins the Edwards-Usman fight, they fight for the title. Um, yeah, I, I also think once Colby gets healed up, him versus Tyron Woodley is a giant fight. I mean, that's a giant fight. But the thing with that fight is then you're going to have Woodley out, what, two years? If he waits for that fight? I don't get who Woodley wants to fight. Because, like, for like Edwards really wanted to fight Tyron Woodley in London. And then Woodley said, no, I don't want to fight overseas. And then Edwards said, okay, I'll fight you in America. And Woodley was like, no, I just don't want to fight Leon Edwards. I don't think and anyone like, wants to fight Leon Edwards. I think he, I think he's just a, a tough go for anyone. And he's on what, like a 10 fight win streak. I, and I think his last loss was to Usman. Right. I, yeah. I like that. I like that fight. Genuinely. Yeah. I think it makes sense. The person who's going to get left out of all this is Woodley. Because like, yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. Fine. Yeah. I, I don't, I think Woodley's like kind of, like, I, I love Tyron Woodley. I think he's a phenomenal fighter. I think he kind of overrates himself as a draw or as someone who the fans want to watch fight because he kind of thinks, like, I want to fight Khabib. I want to, like, box Canelo, like, all this stuff. Like, Woodley, like, you're not close to that level of popular. Yeah, and I think that, like, that was the issue the UFC always had with him is he was just – he was really entitled. You know, he's a great champion, a great fighter, like you said, but he's, he's, it seems like a guy that's hard to deal with or work with just because he was, I think he is a lot or unrealistic with what he is and what he brings to the table, you know, as a commodity. And I, I don't know. I, I think if he doesn't take a fight, like you said, he's, he's going to get left out in the cold and he's going to have to sit on the shelf probably till Colby's ready to go. Cause that's the only, other fight you can make for him right now in the top five is Colby. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would be interested for him. I would be interested in the Masvidal fight, but I don't think Masvidal wants that at all. Well, they're, but they're, they're buddies and training partners, aren't they? Him, him and, um, Tyron and, and Masvidal, aren't they both at ATT? I thought they were like buddies. Uh, Tyron splits camp, I think between Rufus Fort and ATT. I don't think he's in Florida full time. But I think the gym he owns in Missouri is an ATT affiliate. Uh, okay, I, I thought he had trained down there, and they were all those guys were close because that's why him and Colby had that beef originally. Um, but Tyron's definitely at Rufus Sport a lot. Yeah, let's look. Let me look at the top five. Oh uh, yeah, I mean you got Damian Maya at six, RDA at five, Leon Edwards at four. George Masvidal, three, Colby Covington, two, and Woodley, one, and then Usman, the champion. Hmm. 
You know what fight I wouldn't hate is Nate Diaz and Tyron Woodley. Yeah, but Nate wants no part of that. Yeah, I don't think that's a big enough fight for Nate. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's a weird situation. He's got to take the next guy they offer him. Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, if he's able to go in there and get a win against Leon Edwards, I think he's right back in the title talks. Um, Yeah, so what did you think of the stoppage? I thought it was fine. I, I, you know, I, I almost, I almost get the feeling that it's like part of Colby's gimmick to be like, he shouldn't have stopped that fight. Guy's got a broken jaw. He's just been knocked, knocked down twice in 30 mm-hmm. seconds. Uh, Usman is like laying on him, just wailing on his head. He's not like he's, he's losing the single leg as this is happening. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I thought it was a fine stoppage to be honest. Yeah, I, I think if if he didn't have the broken jaw, you know, I, I think he could have let it go a couple more seconds and let him try to get in on that single leg. But, I mean, that was just a bad look. He's got that jaw hanging off of him, and he's bleeding out of his mouth, and he just he got rocked. You know, the first time he got rocked, he scrambled pretty good and, um, you know, looked like he was still in the fight. And the second time, it looked like he was just kind of broken. So, at, at first glance, I thought it was a little early, but – you know, going back and rewatching it, I, I thought that was a pretty solid stoppage. And I think everyone kind of agreed with that. Um, let me see. But yeah, I mean, big takeaways for Colby in that fight. Like, how tough is Colby Covington? All the shit, you know, aside, all of his, you know, mouthing and <laughs> gimmick and everything. I mean, that guy is fucking tough as hell. He's tough. He's a really good fighter. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I underestimated Usman, and I probably underestimated Usman numerous times over the course of his career. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to stop doing that. Um, I will. I will pick Kamara Usman to win his next fight. I really don't care who it's against, because if you look at some of the win streak, if the the win streak he's put up is like comparable to your. Khabib's and Tony Ferguson, um, you know your GSPs and the elite welterweights it's it's hard to deny the guy at this point but Covington I thought I mean I I thought he was great at fighting before he got in the cage against Usman and he proved just how tough he is just how good he is um Kamara's just better he was better that night yeah no I agree um let me see yeah what did you think I heard some people saying that they thought that was fight of the year what did you think about that no way. I, yeah. I think I think both of those, both fights off the two title fights off the Atlanta card, uh, Holloway Poirier and Stylebender against uh, Kelvin Gastelum, are both better fights than than that one was. Yeah, that that's my fight. Opinion. That's that's my fight of the year. That was phenomenal. And then to see what Izzy did after that against Rob Whitaker, um, that's for sure my fight of the year. Let's see what else about this fight. Yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty much it. Um, yeah, I, I, I just, you know, matchup wise at the welterweight division, I just thought with a Colby win, you have a lot bigger fights to sell, but I, I kind of think yeah. you're right. I think they need to go Leon Edwards versus Usman next. And then, you know, maybe wait for Colby versus um, Woodley. And then the winner of Usman, Leon Edwards against George Masvidal. If Masvidal is not fighting McGregor, I, I think that's kind of how it's all going to play out. 
I think the UFC is just going to realize, they're going to look at the rankings and realize they don't have a, if Masvidal won't take the title shot, they don't have a super marketable fight, no matter which direction they go. So they might as well sort out the meritocracy. So you don't have like a Tony Ferguson situation where you have guys who have won double digit fights in a row in the UFC who just can't get a title shot. Yeah, I think they've got to kind of stick to the rankings unless it's Conor McGregor. If it's Conor McGregor, they can fuck around a little bit and, you know, get off the business model. But besides that, I mean, just stick with stick with what got you here and just keep it rolling. And that's that's why I think it's going to be Leon Edwards next, especially if Tyron doesn't want to take that fight. I think the time is running out for Tyron to take that fight. And I think Usman's probably going to want to get back in there, you know, March or so. And I think that timeline you know, it was great for Leon Edwards. So, um, yeah, overall, I, I thought that was a great fight. You know, obviously that got fight of the night. I don't think it'll get fight of the year, but um, I've got a feeling we'll see those guys matching up again down the road, don't you think? Maybe. I want to see how Colby bounces back from this, to be honest, because he hasn't lost in a while. He hasn't been hurt badly in a fight in a while. And this is a guy who's kind of built his fight style off of he's a cardio machine Mm -hmm. he's in incredible shape his conditioning is phenomenal and you talk to the guy at ATT and they kind of say like this guy's a workhorse he's always in the gym um you know he's constantly you know leads this very structured clean life and like if you're out of contact and can't really do anything for six months do you fall off the wagon and that's you know I'm not saying he's going to I'm just saying like We've seen it before. So I'm interested to see how Colby bounces back from this. But, I mean, obviously, very evenly matched fight, in my opinion. What did you think about just zero takedowns, like, at all? No one even attempted a takedown. That's just kind of how it goes when you have two yeah, just style, stylistic guys. Yeah. I mean, think about, uh, think about would you rather watch that? Or Damian Maya against Tyron Woodley, where the takedown shot a million times and it's stuffed every single time. Yeah. I would much rather watch Kamaru Usman and Colby Covington kind of like throw strikes and try and beat each other that way than uh, watch like Kamaru Usman has a hundred percent takedown defense in the U.S. Right. Right. Never been taken down. Right. Like I, I just I would rather watch. If there's two guys who have relatively even wrestling, I would much rather watch them strike than watch them try and like clinch and try and hit takedowns that they're just never going to hit. Yeah. I, I thought one guy would at least try it, but um, I mean, it's pretty much what we talked about last week. These guys are completely even across the board. And the big difference to me was just that power of Usman and he was able to be more durable. I mean, Colby, once he you know took that big shot to the jaw, to me, he just started to wear down a little bit and Kamara started pull, pulling away. So, yeah, overall, I thought that was a great, great fight. Um, that's going to set up some good fights, you know, moving forward. So let's move to Max and Volkanovski. Um, I think both of us were wrong on this. Did we both pick Max by decision? I bulk, man. I Did you? you okay. Yeah. So, yeah, man, he Volkanovski looked fucking good. He's an unbelievable fighter. I think he's kind of like unsung because he's Australian. He's soft-spoken. He doesn't try and rock the boat. He doesn't call anyone out. 
He fights the next guy in front of him. Mm-hmm. Just gets in there and does his business. But he is really, I mean, he threw more strikes than Max did. And Max's whole thing as a champion has been, he will like out volume you with strikes. Right. And Volk, Volk did it to him. And I, I thought he won that four to one, if not five to zero on the cards. Yeah, I had a five zero. Yeah. Volkanovski, actually. Yeah. I, I've never seen Max just not have an answer. You know, like, like I said last week, I've seen him, you know, in wars and I've seen him stunned and hurt, but he just had zero answer. And it started with those leg kicks. Those leg kicks were fucking vicious. And I, I don't know if that may have cracked the code of how to defeat Max Holloway. Because no one's no one's really done that to him, where they you know basically take out his ability to switch stances and fight like he does, and that's what Volkanovski did, and I I think that's you know credits Volkanovski a lot, but that like we talked about last week that Eugene Barriman and City Kickboxing, I mean what a brilliant game plan. Yeah, I think um, the the other thing that is kind of I want I don't want to say concerning to me, but like. Max for now two fights in a row like we're talking about like I've never seen anyone do that to Max where he's like kind of shutting down and like I think this is a and I think we saw it with you know similar vibes from Rory McDonald against John Fitch earlier this year where it's like this guy's been a pro fighter in the UFC since he was 19 years old right like there's a lot of tread on those tires despite what Max's age is Right. And so I, I just wonder, like his post, his post on Instagram, which is like very nice, but kind of signals like that's not a guy that it seems like is really hungry to get that title back. And I just I wonder how many fights someone like him has left and how many really high level fights someone like him has has left, because he's kind of done everything at featherweight. And I think lightweight would be really brutal to match. Um, yeah, I think we saw how, how that went. I mean, with Poirier, he moved up and Poirier's not, you know, a giant 55er and he just, he looked like the power wasn't like, he didn't have any, hardly any power there. Um, you know, his pace kind of gets neutralized. I, I don't know. I just, for Holloway, yes, he's been in the game. I mean, what's he 28 now? And he's been in the UFC since when 19 or 20, 19 years old, I think. Yeah. And, um, I mean, he's been in a lot of wars, but I, I don't see the same mental state that I saw with Rory McDonald. I, th- I thought Rory McDonald got broken in that Robbie Lawler fight or the two fights with Robbie Lawler and was just never the same, really. He never had that kind of killer instinct like he did, you know, when he was coming up. And um, I don't see that with Max. I, I think he's still there. I think his kind of nonchalant attitude and you know it is what it is it is what it is that's just his attitude you know and that's how he approaches his life and i think that's how he approaches fighting so to me there's no red flags you know mentally how he approaches a game um the thing that concerned me is just he had zero answer for what volkanovsky was doing you know it just max is someone that sees a smart fighter i mean you've seen him make adjustments in the middle of fights when he's, you know, getting hurt or getting stunned. And there was just, there was no answer. There was nothing there. Yeah. I, um, I just worry about him physically. Honestly, yeah. Like I, I wonder what nine years in the fight game being as active as he has 
the wars he's been mm-hmm. in. Um, you know, I think there's like kind of some weird things that we can point to. Like, remember when he fought, he was scheduled to fight Khabib when he stepped in for Tony and then they had to cancel the fight. And like Max was having trouble cutting to 55. But that that one, he also took on like five. I think he took on what, six days notice or something. But he had like a weird kind of yeah. like punch drunk interview with Michael Bisping. Like, yeah. There have just been some yeah. moments where I'm like, I just wonder, like, if if the game has taken something from Max over all these years. Yeah, he was actually on Rogan today, and they were talking about that. And he said he's all of that was caused by something he took. So I'm assuming it's a supplement or something. But he said they're actually in the middle of a lawsuit over that ordeal. So that that's kind of interesting. But that that worried me, um, you know, when he was going through all that. Because, yeah, I watched that interview and it was just like he was concussed or he wasn't there. He was real, you know, kind of swervy all over the place. And what was that when he was cutting for Khabib or was that before? That was like week of the Khabib fight. Okay. Like, on, I, I'll never forget this because it's on April Fool's. Mm-hmm. Dana comes out and is right. Like, hey, I remember that. Yeah. Tony's not fighting. Max is fighting. You have the whole thing where Max gets on a plane, comes to New York. And then, like, that week, he's on UFC Tonight or whatever and is, like, you know, having trouble answering, like, very basic questions. Right. So what did, what did you think of Volkanovsky's just overall game plan? I think it's, you know, it was stellar in terms of, you know, just, like, kill him with leg kicks and kind of yeah. try and break down some of that mobility because I think – we all like everyone notices Max's volume, but I think his footwork is a big reason why he's successful as well, because he's able to hit you and not get hit, which is the right. name of the game. And so Volkanovsky made it so, you know, he couldn't move as quickly. He wasn't as sharp with his uh, with his feints, with his footwork. And so he was able to come in and land some like pretty powerful shots and, right. and pretty you know, I think things that Max is a really stoic fighter, but right. Volkanovsky was able to, I think, visibly hurt him as much as Max will let you know that he's hurt. Well, and there was, I mean, that was just a brilliant game plan. Literally took away 50% of Max's game. You know, he's where he kills you is when he gets his stance switching going and he's hitting you from all different directions and he's putting his big combos together. And he just couldn't do that. He had to fight, you know, with a Southpaw or Orthodox pretty much the whole time. Right. So I mean, I think it was, I think he was fighting um, Southpaw most of the fight, Southpaw, like the whole like fight the whole yeah. Fight. And obviously that's not his strongest side, um, but when he compares it, you know, or combines it with his orthodox side, and he's getting it all all together, he's I mean, no one's really been able to figure him out. Um, so to me, that was brilliant, and you know, Volkanovski just completely neutralized him. He didn't let him get going at all. You know, he didn't let Max get in close where he can start getting that boxing going and and putting stuff together. He just kind of, you know, hit him with the leg kicks at distance and then he would do some blitzing. And, you know, I thought he almost caught him several times with big overhands that, I mean, barely, barely missed. So to me, that that guy's going to be a problem. And I I, I think that fight's got to be ran back because I think Max, what he's done at featherweight, he he deserves an immediate rematch to me. The only caveat I would have there mm-hmm. is if Max is on the shelf for a little while and Korean zombie like destroys Frankie Edgar this starches weekend, him. Yeah. 
I'm I am okay with Korean Zombie versus Volkanovski um, before they do the Max rematch. But we'll, we'll talk we'll talk about that one later and see. I want to see what you think about that fight this weekend. If Max is good to go, man, I'm I mean I'm I'm so down to watch that again. I I actually think it could headline something. I think it's that good a fight. Well, I think they run it back in Australia. I think they try to get you know maybe Izzy. Dan Hooker, um, Volkanovski all on the same card and just do a mega card there. And that rematch could, you know, headline or co-headline an Izzy fight for sure. So my thing, though, is like, is I think Izzy's going to fight Romero in March. Mm-hmm. They booked um, that. That's March 7th. They booked that. Okay. So, um, and then Hooker is going to fight uh, Paul Felder right. end of February in Auckland. Right. Yeah, that that'd be a, probably a little quick turnaround. So, like, are, are are we gonna wait six months for Volkanovski and Max to fight again? Which isn't crazy. Um, I just don't know when they're going back to Australia for a pay per view. Right. Yeah, and where where is um? So Dan Hooker and Felder are fighting where? Auckland, New Zealand. New Zealand, yeah, okay. Auckland. Yeah, and then I think Izzy and Yoel is Vegas, right? March seventh, yeah, Vegas. March 7th. Yeah, and I think Joanna against Wiley Zhang is the, that's on that card too. Game. Yeah, yeah. I don't. know. I mean, that fight alone could could headline something. I mean, that that's a big fight. But to me, I don't think. I mean, Korean Zombie, Frankie Edgar. I I don't. I'd rather see the rematch between Volkanovski and and Max. Besides that, and then you still have Yair and Zabit that are lingering out there, and those guys to me have done just as much as. Um, Zombie or Frankie Edgar, I mean, to deserve a title fight. Zabit, so, not as much. To no. Me. I mean, Yair's best win is over for uh, over Korean Zombie. Right. Zabit, I, I, I think if if he fought a five round fight against Calvin Cater, the you know. No, I yeah, I thought that too. Cater wins that fight. Well, he was coming on strong in that third round. So, yeah, I don't know. I. I, I would think next, I mean, I, I would really like to see a rematch. And then you let those four guys kind of play out that division. They can fight each other. And remember, Frankie's got a fight, you know, down at bantamweight waiting for him. And that was his plan to move down to bantamweight. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that's probably the next fight. Those guys rematch and then let featherweight kind of play itself out. Um, but overall, I mean, incredible performance from Volkanovski. Um, that's got to make Eugene Berriman coach of the year. I would think just everything he's done with Israel Adesanya, how great Dan hookers looked. And then that, um, you know, Volkanovski and then that Kai Kara France put on a good fight too. I think he lost the decision, but that was a hell of a fight on the prelims. And Moreno's a savage. I think, yeah. I think the city kickboxing guys are like eight and one in 2019 mm-hmm. um, with the only loss being the decision for Moreno over Kai Car of France. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, it's kind of absurd. Yeah. I think they're definitely doing something special in the striking department that everyone's just going to have to catch up to. I mean, those guys from a little bitty gym and is it Australia or are they in New Zealand? They're in Australia, aren't they? I thought, I think they're in New Zealand. Oh, are they? Well, regardless that little bitty Island has got, you know, two champions now and one coming up when Dan hooker, it's pretty fucking unbelievable. But, um, yeah, overall it was a get, I mean, good fight. I just, I didn't see that 
Max Holloway, that, you know, that dog, that kind of savage that's going to go in there and trade. I just think he wasn't able to, he wasn't, you know, he didn't get the opportunity to, he was just neutralized. So, um, let's move on here. Amanda versus, uh, GDR. What'd you think about that fight? I thought GDR made Amanda look really human, um, Mm -hmm. which she really hasn't for the past few fights. I mean, you Mm -hmm. think of like Holm, she dismantled. Mm -hmm. Cyborg, she Mm -hmm. dismantled. Nunes, she dismantled. Even all the way back to Misha Tate. I mean, people forget, but like UFC 200, Amanda Nunes beat the crap out of Misha Tate. Right. Um, I think GDR probably fought her the best. I think it was nice to see Amanda return to the ground game and like like show that she could win a tactical fight, mm-hmm. that she's a full-fledged mixed martial artist. I just think the the thing the thing about Amanda Nunez is it's like she's already beaten the biggest name she could beat. And until someone like really tears through that division. Which, like, I don't see that happen. I, I mean, I couldn't name someone who I'm like, wow, this is someone to watch in at 135 or 145. Mm-hmm. And, like, until that happens, she's just kind of fighting, like, people who she's just going to be expected to to blow the doors off of. Right. Um, I mean, I thought GDR put up a hell of a fight. I mean, I think she rocked her, what was it, in the... Second round, she rocked her with a question mark kick and then had a jumping knee that kind of rocked her. I just, I thought round one, two, three, Amanda was fighting a little reckless, like she was trying to push it a little bit and get her out of there. And then uh, four and five, I mean, she just straight out of the gates going for the takedown, getting her down, just grinding her out, getting doing what she had to do to get the win. Um, but yeah, she's in a weird spot. I, I don't. I mean, there's really, to me, there's no one there for her except, you know, maybe that third fight with Valentina. But, I mean, besides that, who? Aspen Ladd? I'm not interested. Yeah. I think uh, I think if Valentina beats Chukagian mm-hmm. uh, in February, um, that's I would book the, the trilogy between Nunez and, and Valentina. Yeah. I mean, I, I just don't think there's anything else there for her. I mean... Yeah. So, um, I mean, the biggest takeaway, I, you know, I think she was in danger a little bit, you know, with, like I said, the question mark kick, the up kick, you know, kind of for like five seconds, I was like, what the fuck just happened? Like, I kind of thought she got clipped and maybe was like knocked out on top of her. And then she goes back to just working her on the ground. Um, but bottom line, she just did what she had to do to win and keep the ball rolling you know, with her reign and as the most dominant female fighter we've seen. Uh, and the, like I said, like, I, I think GDR has fought her the best of anyone in a very long time. Like I actually right. thought GDR did better in this fight and like was, had a better chance to actually finish the fight mm-hmm. than even the, the two Valentina fights. Well, there was definitely some dangerous moments where, like I said, the ones I named, um, but yeah, I just don't see anyone right now that can beat her. You know, I think the only the only person who who I would be interested in at this point is is fighting in Bellator against Julia Budd on on January twenty fifth. Yeah, you know, I, I I would be very interested in the Chris Cyborg rematch. Yeah, um, but you know, unfortunately, that's not going to happen. I mean, the other one, 
The other one that I think is somewhat interesting, but I, you know, obviously not going to happen either. is like Kayla Harrison from PFL is interesting to me against yeah. Nunez. Yeah, I wonder uh, if it gets to a point if there's just like zero fights, zero competition for her, if they would be interested in doing like a cross promotion deal with Bellator or PFL. Because they've, I think they've never done so, that. I'm so afraid of losing a cross promotion because like, you think about it, the UFC's brand is all about we have the best fighters in the world. Right. Which, uh, to their credit, like in virtually every division, I think it's true. Right. Um, there's a few exceptions, but, you know, they have 85 to 90 percent of the best fighters in the world. Right. And if they put her up against like a cyborg or a Kayla Harrison or a Julia Budd and she loses, like, now, all of a sudden, what you've been telling your fans for all this time and what's kind of been a accepted uh, norm in the MMA fandom is now kind of out the window because people are saying, like, you know, the best of the UFC is not necessarily the best in the world. And so right. that's really damaging. Whereas, like, Bellator or PFL stand to benefit from uh, from beating a UFC champion no matter what. Right. All right. Well, yeah, another, I mean, pretty convincing win for Amanda. So she's just going to keep the ball rolling at both divisions. I would anticipate. And, you know, maybe one of those girls would emerge, but I mean, I think Shevchenko has got to be the next fight. Um, if she can get past, uh, what's her name? Shakugian. So, um, yeah. All right. Let's move it on. Jose Aldo versus Marlon Marias. what do you think of that one? Unbelievable fight. Um, really, really enjoyed watching that. Um, I think this is one of those fights where if you're going round by round scoring, I had a two to one for Marais. But if you're doing like pride style scoring where you're scoring or one championship where you're scoring mm-hmm. the fight as a whole, mm-hmm. I think Jose Aldo won that fight. So it, it's yeah. kind of a fun yeah. situation. I mean, to me, like Marlon comes out and rocks. Aldo, I think it was a head kick yeah. and early, like 30 seconds into the fight. And I was like, holy shit, like every, all the concerns that everyone had for Aldo, you know, I thought were coming true. You know, his weight, weight cut, he's not going to be able to take a punch, blah, blah, blah. But as the fight went on, I mean, I thought Jose Aldo dominated the fight. I thought he led the dance the whole time. I thought he was the aggressor. Um, the only thing that was missing, there was zero leg kicks, like zero of Jose Aldo's famous leg kick. So I don't know if it's a thing. It's like, Hey, I've done, I've got by on these, you know, devastating leg kicks for 10 years Are his legs shot or what is the deal? I mean, I was was like, I was screaming at the television to throw a fucking leg kick the whole time. And it just never, ever came. I think if he threw five leg kicks, he walks away with that decision. Yeah. I, I agree with you. Like, so my thing with Marais is like I thought in the in the second I thought was Aldo's most dominant round, mm-hmm. which um, I thought Marais pretty clearly won the first. I think Aldo very clearly won the second, and then the third is like kind of the toss up round for me. Yeah, that's how I had it. Um, I, I had Marlon winning round one, Aldo winning round two, and then I had a note right here. I said needs leg kicks. And then round three, I thought was pretty similar to round two. So, I mean, it's not like a robbery to me. It could have went either way. 
you know, especially we've seen how these judges, you know, the decisions they make. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not like totally upset with the call, but I, I thought Jose Aldo did enough to win that fight. Yeah, I don't necessarily disagree. I think it was real. I think round three was really close. I just thought like, I thought Marais fought a smart fight to beat Aldo, who is a better fighter than him. Mm-hmm. Um, like that's how you beat a guy who is going to come forward like that is like Marais was kind of fighting on the outside. Right. He was a, uh, able to avoid a lot of the power shots. Um, I thought he did clip Jose a couple times, but you know, I, I just think it's, it's a situation where, like you said, it's not a robbery, mm-hmm. but it's a really, really close fight. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty, it's subjective, really. I mean, that's what it comes down to. I mean, I, I could have seen it going either way. How did you think Aldo looked at 135? I don't think anyone looks good cutting weight. I, I think the, the reality is, like, I think Aldo and Marais are actually pretty similar-sized human beings, which mm-hmm. was, I think, the that's kind of what I judge off of, like, what's your correct weight class? So, like, mm-hmm. I actually think, like, Number one, I think his path back to the title at 135 is a lot better than the one at 145. Right. And I think if he can make the weight and doesn't feel like it's detrimental to his career, by all means, he should go for it. Because like I said, like I think he could easily get to the title in that division. I think there's a lot of great matchups. Whereas at 45, it's like... The only one that really interests me that's a non-title fight for Aldo at 45 would be the Korean Zombie rematch. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Um, I mean, to me, I, I didn't think he looked diminished at all. I thought, you know, he looked pretty similar. He looked good. He just looked different. It's not the same Jose Aldo that dominated 45 for 10 years. It's just a different fighter to me. He's still, I mean, world-class. But it's just, he doesn't have that, I don't know, just like wrecking ball destroyer type fighting style that he did. Volkanovsky too. Like he looked really hesitant against Volkanovsky. Yeah, but I I, I don't know if that's just Volkanovsky because I mean, obviously you saw what he did to Max, but yeah, it's just different. But I mean, I, I think honestly on any giving night, Aldo could go out there and be world champion at 135. I mean, he he's right there, I think. I do. T- I totally agree with that. Yeah. Um, so what do you think is next for Marlon and what's next for Jose Aldo? Marlon is a tough one, right? Because mm-hmm. I don't, I would not put Marlon like back in a, in a title shot, but like there's not really a fight where I feel like Marlon has something to gain, right? Like I think all Aljama- Jermaine um, Sterling's the fight for him. Mm. But he already knocked him out. Like, what's he going to do? Knock him out again? And then everyone's going to say, like... How long ago was that? Was that in the UFC? Or is that... Yeah, 2018. Or was it? Yeah. Yeah. I... Shot in for a takedown, and Marlon kneed him in the face. And That's right. Okay. Seat. Okay. That's right. Um, I don't know. I think, there's, I think there's bad blood there. I think that's a fight you could sell. I, I don't think he deserves a rematch with Henry after that at all um yeah so i mean i don't know who else do you match up marlin with the one that's interesting to me is like 
I think if Cody Garbrandt beats Rafael Sunsau in uh-huh. Columbus, mm-hmm. I think the Garbrandt Marais yeah. is really interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for Garbrandt to get back in there. I still think that he is he can be a champion. He's just he's got to clean some stuff up and not be so crazy. The <laughs> goes, raw talent of yeah. Garbrandt is, I think, the best of any 135er on the planet. It's yeah. the fight IQ that's the problem. Yeah, I mean, pretty much his two TJ fights were the same fight. And then Hootie, he clipped Pedro Munoz and rushed in to try to finish him, gets caught, and then gets finished. It's the same he story, the three fights in a row. Pedro Munoz yeah. literally up until yeah. the moment he was knocked out. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I'm ready for him to get back in there. I think if him and Dominic Cruz get back in 35, 35 is going to get crazy. I don't think Dominic Cruz ever fights again. There's, you don't think so? hot take for today. Really? I don't think he ever fights again. I think huh. he's done. I, I think his body's broken. I think he has a great gig commentating the UFC. I think he has a great gig running his and coaching in his gym. I think he's a very intelligent guy. I don't think there's really... I don't think there's interesting money fights out there for him. Yeah. And I, I think he's got too many fights to get back to the title for it to be worth his while. And so I don't think he ever fights again. I like the idea of him and um, him and Uriah fighting again. Just why not? Just two veterans get in there and they don't have to get taken out viciously by these just killers that are coming up. So I, I see that. I don't know. I, I'd rather see Dominic Cruz fight again, you know, in the top five than Uriah. I think, you know, Uriah looked good in this fight. I guess we can move on. Well, what do you think before we go to Uriah and uh, Peter Yan? What do you think's next for Aldo? Oof. I mean, if I'm Aldo, I'm stoking this Henry Cejudo fire all the way and trying to get that title shot. And I think that's, that's I think that's something they can make happening. Yeah, I mean, especially if Henry gets behind it and says, "Hey." You know, I think Aldo won that fight. I want to fight Aldo. I think that's something uh, that could happen. And, I mean, that would be pretty rare to come off a loss and get a title shot. When has that ever happened? You know, other than that, I think, uh, you know, at 35, like, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I don't hate the idea of Aldo trying to fight Uriah Faber again. Um, I, uh, but... I, I, in general, like if I'm Aldo, like I think there's more, there's more, the non-title matchups at 45 are more interesting. What about Aldo, Cody Garbrandt? That would I be like a fucking, that, that would be a fucking awesome fight. Yeah, I like that. I, it, Cody yeah. has to win for the UFC. But he has to. Well, and for his career, I mean, you can't lose, go from champion, lose four in a row. And... I mean, yeah, it's just it's you can't like do that. Pen and brow, basically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you. This is a must-win for Cody Garbrandt. And but I mean, I think with one win, I think he's right back in there. I think I he's. Agree. Yeah. So, I would love to see that fight. That would be a fucking awesome fight. Um. All right. So yeah, I I think personally, I think Aldo's gonna they're gonna finagle him into a title fight somehow with Henry. Just because I think he's a huge name, I think Henry's gonna get behind it. You know, I don't think Henry versus Marlon is a good draw again. You got Aljamain Sterling's who who's out. Um, you know, Corey Sanhagen may or may not have a fight right now. Peter Yan looked like a fucking just world beater. So, you know, I think probably the most winnable fight and best fight for Cejudo right now is probably 
Jose Aldo. So if he could get the UFC behind that, I don't see why they wouldn't make that fight. I would have no problem with them making that fight coming off a loss. And you know what? I, I think the the next Marais fight, I think Sandhagen is, is as interesting as anyone for Marlon Marais. Yeah. Or Peter Yan. I mean, either one of those guys, I'd be happy with that fight. Yeah, true. I, I, I just don't. How If you're Peter Yan, mm-hmm. why would you fight another guy not for a title shot? If we're Let's move on to that one, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I think Peter Yan deserves a title fight, but I don't know if Henry Cejudo is going to give it to him. And I, I think So did Aljamain Sterling, yeah. in my opinion, too. Yeah, like, until he got hurt, that, yeah. I think they should have booked the interim title between Sterling and, and Jan. I mean, Jan is a, a, a killer. He is like yeah. stone cold. How, is, how much longer is Aljamain Sterling out? Another, another couple, couple months. But I think yeah. he could be back by summer, no problem. Well, I mean, that timeline adds up. If they if they booked Aljamain versus Peter Jan, I would love that. That's awesome. And then we'd have to see what happens with Frankie and uh, Corey Sanhagen. Because, I mean, if you throw Frankie Edgar in the mix at 135, then it really gets crazy. Why don't you do this? Like, if you're just going to say, like, Jose Aldo is basically getting a career achievement award and we're going to give him the bantamweight title shot, which, which I, I no think problem. which I think is going to happen. I, I just I have a feeling that that's what's going to happen. It would be very Dana, right? It's, yeah, it's uh, very totally. Yeah. Um, so you book that. I say you book, you know, when Frankie Edgar is is not going to come out unscathed against Korean Zombie, even if he wins. I just so think that's like, we'll talk about that later. But I just think that's I mean, you're living in a fairy tale world. If you think he's going to fight a month after fighting the Korean Zombie, it's not going to happen, period. It doesn't happen to anybody. Nobody yeah. does that. Yeah. Um, so I think you book Marlin against Sandhagen. Mm-hmm. I like that. I and then I think you book Jan against Sterling yeah. as like a true number one. You say like straight up, this is a number one contender's fight. Right. Winner will fight for the title. Guarantee like no ifs, ands, or buts. And then you just do it. No, we're, we're both on the same page there. All right, so let's roll into Uriah versus Peter Jan. Uriah, 40-year-old Uriah Favor still doing the damn thing against these just savages. Um, I thought Uriah looked good. I thought he looked athletic i thought so too man um, I, what a gangster that guy is yeah i mean like don't be fooled by the the long blonde hair and like the chiseled physique and mm-hmm. the butt chin and mm-hmm. all that like this dude is a gangster mm-hmm. and like, he's he in a fight he's, he's also been a guy years old and he's also never changed his style i mean it's pretty much the same style he's been fighting with for what 15 years now and it's still getting by on these guys. He's just a freak athlete. And, you know, he used to rely on his wrestling a lot more, but now it's, you know, he uses athleticism and he was in that fight. I thought it was a close fight. It wasn't, you know, super one-sided until what was that? The third round. Yeah. I thought it was going to be one of those fights, honestly, before the knockout happened where it was like going to look really lopsided on the mm-hmm. scorecards. Like it was going to be a 30, 27 if it went to decision, mm-hmm. but it wasn't it wasn't a lopsided fight. Like mm-hmm. Uriah had moments in that fight. Um, I was most impressed. Like Jan was able to take down Uriah Faber. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. most impressive to me. I, I expected Jan to kind of piece him up in the boxing, mm-hmm. but I mean to hit some of those trips that you see a lot of these Sambo guys hitting now, mm-hmm. like 
I mean, that's really impressive because Uriah Faber is a hard guy to take down. Well, in the way he knocked him out from the clinch, I mean, they broke the clinch and he has like a foot of space and hits him with that up kick to the side of the head. I mean, that was impressive. That was yeah. he looked he looked really good. I think that guy's a problem. When he started to pick it up in that third round, you could see the just clear cut difference in how dangerous that guy is. I mean, that guy is he's an issue for sure. He's now fourteen and one, and he's calling out for a title shot. I I just don't think they make that fight over Jose Aldo. I think Jose Aldo's just goat status at featherweight and how popular he is and how big of a fight that's going to be is I think they're going to go in that direction and I'm totally on board for a number one contender fight between him and Sterling, but that guy's a problem. He's very, very scary. I'm, I don't see anyone who beats Peter Jan. I don't either. I don't either. And I I think that's why Henry is going to run from that fight as long as he can and tell that guy's undeniable. I also think Peter Jan is like, as his English gets better, I think his personality is actually very marketable. He's actually funny. He's, he's funny. Funny. Yeah. He was making fun of your eyes, butt chin and how old he is and all that. And that was pretty funny. Um, so yeah, I mean, that guy's, that guy's, he's going to be a a big, big problem at one thirty-five for a while. Um, what do you think about Uriah's future? I think Uriah is going to fight once a year for the next two years. Uh-huh. So I don't think he fights, you know, obviously the remainder of 2019, but I think he'll probably fight. Like I could see him doing like international fight week or um, whenever they do like an LA card or something like that, or maybe they'll do another fight night in Sacramento and he'll headline. So I think he's going to fight once in 2020 and then do a retirement fight in 2021 and then be done. Um, I don't think he's making a run at the title. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I would be interested to see him fight Frankie Edgar. Mm-hmm. I'd be interested to see him fight Dominic Cruz again. But I, I think I think the guy genuinely loves the sport and loves fighting, which is mm-hmm. is awesome. Um, but I, I just don't see I don't see him making a run at this point. Yeah, I, I don't either. And I just don't, I don't see the point of matching him up with any more Ricky Simone's or Peter Yon's or Aljamain Sterling's or San Hagen's, you know, the only, the only thing that's going to do is build a name off a legend. I would like to see him, like you said, fight one, two more times, maybe Dominic Cruz, Jose Aldo or Frankie Edgar and call it a career and get the fuck out. Yeah. It, he's got no reason to fight. I mean, he's besides just loving it, you know, in general, he's got, Financially, he's set. Legacy-wise, he's set. Um, and I, I think he's a smart guy. He's not going to get in the situation, you know, like a BJ Penn that, you know, hangs on too long and has four, five, six fights, losses in a row. He's not going to do that. So I, I see, you know, one or two more kind of legend fights, and then he's out. Yeah, I think the thing about uh, Uriah as well is um, you, you kind of – like you look at the fights that he took, right? The two, right. the two comeback fights. And it's like Ricky Simone, young guy. Um, but Uriah clearly took that fight so he could fight in Sacramento, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, and, well, then, and I think if he put those two wins together, he's in a title discussion. If he was well, able. So he wins the Simone fight and yeah. then he takes Jan because he says, I beat Peter Jan. I'm fighting for the title. 
which and he's he, right. And, and he was there. I mean, if he was if he was able to get past Peter Yan somehow, he I think Uriah favors a clear cut title contender, like straight away. But the now that he's lost to Yan, mm-hmm. if you book him, let's say they book him against a Sandhagen mm-hmm. or even like in a Sun Sal or you know, any of these guys that are kind of like making up the bantamweight division that are not like your, your surefire legends. Mm-hmm. Um, you book him against one of those guys and he loses again. Now the name recognition is gone because he's a shot fighter at that point. Yeah. There's no, there's no point for me that I think we're on the same page. I think one or two more big fights. And I mean, him versus Dominic Cruz, him versus Aldo, him versus Frankie Edgar, those could definitely headline fight night cards. I mean, easy. The other the other one I think is kinda would be in the mix there. And I'm I'm not saying I prefer this fight, but I could see the logic behind it is uh putting Uriah against Jimmy Rivera, because he does have the loss to Jimmy. Yeah. So I could see him wanting to avenge that if if none of the if the Frankies or Dominics of the world are not available. Right. Alrighty. So, uh, moving on the other fights on the card, we'll just run through the prelims real quick. And then I want to ask you about a couple, um, current event type stuff. Um, Mike Perry, Jeff Neal, how good did Jeff Neal look? Jeff Neal's Jeff Neal is a, a title contender. Yeah. I, I think he's one or two fights away from a title and or a title shot. That's what he said in his interview. He was, you know, realistic. He said he's, you know, he thinks he's two fights away from a title opportunity and what he did to Mike Perry. Um, I mean, that was impressive. No one puts Mike Perry away like that. My only question was like I asked last week, is Mike Perry coming back too soon after the damage he took against Luke? I guess I he's mean, one of those guys. You, you like, yeah, you're not going to tell Mike Perry he can't fight. That's one. Yeah. And then number two, like literally no one knocks out Mike Perry period. No. Period. And he made, made it look easy. Seconds. Yeah. Yep. Now that, that guy is going to be an issue. Um, what came against Ponzinibbio right now? That's I love, I love that fight. That's, that's the, fight. the fight. Yeah. That's genius. And Ponzinibbio should be coming back off injury. I believe he should be ready to go pretty soon. Wouldn't you think? Yeah. So book it right now. Yeah. Jeff Neal, Santiago Ponzinibbio fight night from God knows where. Headline, five rounds, make it happen. That's the fight. Like, Jeff Neal, to me, is everything that everyone thought Vincente Luque was with the, mm-hmm. with the big win streak and, like, look how good this guy is, blah, 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 blah. Jeff Neal has never even been in trouble against guys who are, like, I would say in that category of really good fighter. Right. So let's, let's see him fight elite fighters. Yeah, no, I think throw him in there. Get after it. So I, I thought that was probably one of the most impressive fights on the undercard. Um, who else? We had Matt Brown coming back, getting a finish. He looked awesome. Awesome he's, fight. Ben yeah. Saunders. Ben yeah. Saunders, I think, should retire. I, yeah. I think it's about time. I think he's he got looked, seven losses in a row or something like that. He looked not great in there. Um, yeah. Matt Brown has just this like. Matt Brown's style is so awesome to watch. Yeah, he's just got that he's killer. Water. Yeah, just killer, killer, savage instincts. I love Matt Brown. He's one of my favorite fighters. It was, it was really good to see him back in there. And then everything in the interviews afterwards, he was talking about, you know, basically it took a year 
year and a half off. I think he had an ACL injury, then went through a divorce. Um, but he said he's back. He's ready to fight. And he wants to get on that Ohio card, too. I love the idea of booking that whole fight night, that whole Columbus card, just being Ohio versus the world. As oh. many Ohio fighters as you can come up with, book them. Like Jessica I should be on that card. Stipe. Garbrandt's already there. Yeah. Like, I, I just think you do Ohio versus the world. Why can't you, you do Stipe and DC on that card? Slugging it out in the main oh, event. Oh, is that the main event? That's the main event. Jardino against Francis. What's the date on that? I believe it's March 28th. I would love to see Stipe and DC head, headline that card. And then you they have put them on a non-pay-per-view though. Oh, that's just a, it's a fight night or something. It's a fight night. Oh fuck. If they got if Francis was the co-main event for that. Oh my God. That'd be awesome. Um, yeah. So Matt Brown made his return. That was awesome to see him back. Uh, what'd you think of this chase Hooper kid? I'm, I think he's, I mean, I think his personality is great because like, I like, I like when, uh, MMA fighters are like, don't act like your stereotypical MMA fighter. Yeah. Um, so I like his kind of like nerdy persona talking about getting M&Ms with Joe Rogan. Um, I think he's got great, great jujitsu. Daniel, it was Daniel Tamor, right? It wasn't David. Yeah. It was Daniel Tamor. Yeah. I believe the older brother. Is it, is he the older like brother? About the bottom of the UFC talent pool, in my opinion. Like that's like, and like, I know Hooper finished him in the first round, which was awesome. But right. like, but he was hurt. I mean, he took a dicey moments. Yeah, he there. took a big, big overhand. Yeah, I mean, but but these young kids, they need to. That's how they need to bring him up. I mean, this guy is what twenty years old? Is he twenty or is he nineteen years old? Yep. Yeah, twenty. I mean, he's still green. He's obviously. You saw the reaction on Twitter after his fight. He's you know, generating a lot of buzz because, you know, he does look like a nerd that gets in there and, you know, he finished that guy pretty viciously. So yeah, I, I like that kid. I saw him on like contender series and he kind of caught my eye there. So um, yeah, good performance by him. I, I think they're going to bring him along very, very slowly. I hope so. Yeah. Because I, I, I think there was a lot of things in there where I was like, wow, he's really green, uh-huh. but you can't deny the, the grappling talent of that guy. And some guys just have it where it's like, you know, they're like these like leeches. You can't get them off you. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was really impressed from that perspective. But I just hope they bring him along slowly or at least somewhat slowly by UFC standards, because uh, he's he's not he's definitely not. I'm not looking at that guy like put him against, you know, the Mike Perry's of the world or, um, you know, that like that level of fighter. Um, what does he fight at? Featherweight? Or is he? Yeah, it was 45, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he's a I mean, he's a big guy, too. He's got got that long, linky build. I think he's six. Yeah. Six one and one forty five. So that'd be interesting. But yeah, I I liked his fight. Um, Who else? The Kai Kara France versus Marino. That was a great fight. Great fight. Yeah, I thought that could have been a contender for fight of the night. That was a very, very entertaining fight. Um, Once again, city kickboxing, just producing killers. And that Marino guy. He was pretty impressive. He had kind of had kind of gave me like little Nate Nate Diaz vibe with the way he was fighting. And he kind of started talking shit towards the end and kind of bringing in uh, Kai Kara France in. I, I really enjoyed that fight. I caught that on my phone, but that was a man. That was a good fight. Um, this other guy, the Soriano, I can't say his 
Pablino Soriano or whatever, the Hawaiian guy. Yeah, the Hawaiian middle. Yeah, I like I like that guy. That guy had a vicious knockout. He had a good performance on the Contender Series too. Um, so yeah, that, I think that guy's going to be a guy to look out for. Um, besides great that, power. yeah, I mean overall great fight card. I thought the other one that stuck out to me was Irene Aldana knocking out Ketlin Vieira. I yeah. thought that was pretty. Yeah, I think a, a lot of people were shocked with that. Surprising. Yeah. So all right, well, let's real quick let's talk about. This weekend's fight card of Frankie versus the Korean Zombie. What are your initial thoughts there? I I think I I think this is about as bad a career move as Frankie could make. Um, it's ballsy. I, I very very ballsy. But uh, if you if you're doing something that's ballsy that has I don't see if let's say Frankie knocks out Korean Zombie in literally five seconds this weekend. Right. What does he get? I don't know a fight against Corey Sanhagen. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't think like anyone's. Yeah. That he already had. Yeah. No one's shouting for him for another title fight. Um, you know, 135. I think he's got one or two fights before he's in title contention. So I, I don't know. I hope he's getting paid. Like, I mean, I, I just big time. like, look, if you're making ballsy decisions where you don't really have anything to gain. Right. That's that's stupid. That's what that's called. Like mm-hmm. Jarzinho Rosenstruck asking for Francis Ngannou is ballsy. Yeah, but he's got Frankie nothing to Edgar lose. Asking for a Korean Zombie is stupid. Yeah, it's just I don't get it. For Rosenstruck, I mean that's a, I mean that's a huge jump up. You know, I think that's a giant opportunity. Frankie Edgar, this is just I I, I don't see the reasoning. Period behind this. Um, yeah, I don't know. What do you? How do you see the fight going? I think Zombie wins. I, I tend to lean towards this decisions with Frankie, just because I think he's a hard guy to finish. Mm-hmm. But there's definitely a part of me that wonders if if the chin is kind of gone at this point, and if Zombie can take him out. So Zombie's got that power that he can put you away. You know, he, he's vicious, and then Frankie's more of kind of a volume, pace guy, footwork, you know, implements his wrestling. So I don't, I don't know. I was thinking about this a little bit today. Um, I think if Frankie can get out of the first round, I think he's got a good chance to win a decision. But I think Zombie's going to come in there looking for a gigantic knockout in front of his home country, and that's kind of where I'm at. Um if I, don't I think you're beating zombie in Korea, to be honest, I, I don't, and I don't really care who you are. Like uh, Frankie Edgar is one of my all time favorite fighters. Yeah. And like, I really love what he's done for the sport. And I, I, I think he's really just his style lends itself to being kind of an older fighter, I think, mm-hmm. but I don't think you're beating zombie in Korea. I think what zombie did to Hinata Moicano in South Carolina was really mm-hmm. impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, I think zombies got great jujitsu and grappling. Um, I, I don't see how, I don't see how Frankie wins this, to be honest. Like yeah, it's I, for me to imagine. Yeah. Frankie and I, 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 I thought zombie won that, the Yaya Rodriguez fight too, until the last second. Oh, look, I yeah. thought clearly, yeah. I, th- yeah. I thought he was up four to one. Yeah. When that happened. Yeah. Well, I was leaning with Frankie this morning, but you're making me think more zombie. I'm, I'm still going to go. I think 
Frankie's going to win a decision, I think. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to take Zombie by decision. That's going to be my call. I, I, I think Frankie's hard to finish, but I yeah. don't think it's going to be hard to beat for Zombie in Korea, to be honest. Okay. All right. Well, that I think that's going down. What five in the morning is the main card Saturday or something? I'm gonna I'm gonna watch that main event when I wake up, and then kind of browse social media and see what the lights are worth checking out. But, yeah. Uh, All right. So gigantic news today: Rory McDonald moves to the PFL. What do you think about that? So, number one, weird move for Rory, in my opinion, because. Right it just kind of seems like he is there's no legacy play there and i feel like he i feel like he doesn't really realize like like the pfl welterweight division is like kind of brutal like there's a lot of guys like there's the magamillion guy there's ray cooper magamed sheripov um, isn't it magamed sheripov Magomed Karamov, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't keep track of my Magomeds. But, but the, the, the problem is, it's the bottom line on this. I mean, it's a obviously the biggest name that PFL's been able to sign. They've obviously been able to build sure. stars like Lance Palmer, Kara, uh, what's her name, Kayla Harrison, uh, Ray Cooper. But, I mean, this is um, an interesting move just for MMA. I'll be interested to see it what, what it does. You know, maybe – Maybe it pulls some of the older, you know, kind of middle of the road MMA guys over if Rory's able to go on a run here for two or three years and make a bunch of money. But I, I don't know. I, I'll be interested. I, I think they might have kind of broke the bank to get Rory to come over here because I don't, you know, I, I think he's making good money in Bellator. It's not like he's underpaid in Bellator, you know. So it, it was kind of just a, I think it caught everyone kind of off guard. Here's my thing about it. For if you're Rory McDonald and like you've been fighting of a really long time, you're a rec- you have name value mm-hmm. in the sport, you are kind of talking like the end is near kind of thing where it's like you Well, but is he is he now? He he kind of after the what was it, the John Finch fight where he had kind of that you know, he he talked about his religion and he didn't feel like he could hurt people anymore. And then he comes out and has a pretty good fight against Neiman Gracie and then, you know, kind of loses convincingly to Douglas Lima. I, I just think I've said this all along. I don't think it's the same Roy McDonald we saw in the UFC, period. He's still world class at welterweight, but he's just not that guy anymore. He's just not that he doesn't have that killer instinct to go out and just in fights and finish fights and just try to be a savage like he used to be. It's just different. I, I don't know. I guess I, I'm thinking to myself, is Rory McDonald really going to fight like four to five times in 2020? Cause that's what the PFL asks you to do. That's, yep. that's how their season works. Right. And like for a guy with that level of damage, that's been through the wars that, Less than a year ago was saying he didn't know if he wanted to fight anymore. Even if he's backtracked on it, he still said it in a public moment. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes me, uh, I kind of sit there and I'm like, how is this a good idea? Mm-hmm. Whereas like, I feel like you could take two fights in Bellator and, you know, make 
probably similar money at the very right. least. Right. Especially if they're title fights, you, you know, rematch Douglas Lima or takes another big fight, you know, an MVP fight or something like that. I don't know. I, it, it's going to be weird, but I think it's a big moment for MMA and the PFL. It's gigantic for the PFL because if that works out and Rory McDonald goes on a run for the next four or five years and makes a shitload of cash and it's just dominating these guys, I think you're going to see the competition start to pick up at P- PFL for sure, and you're going to start getting a lot bigger names. The problem with PFL it, for like long-term sustainability in my mind is how are you going to get guys who are now millionaires to fight four to five times a year? Because like I think what we've seen in this sport is like you could fight four times in a year, but it's hard to do it multiple years in a row. Like that's why Cowboy Cerrone and Mike Perry and these guys are like so amazing. It's like they fight so often. It's crazy. But there's like, there's not enough guys who can do that to fill a division year after year after year. Yeah. Which is why you typically see guys like kind of drop out. Like you see guys drop out of the PFL. You see guys get hurt in the PFL. And like, I, I just, I don't, see how this works out for Rory because like I think he's going to take damage and doesn't almost doesn't realize like the level of talent in that league well that's my thing I think the talent is it's not a gigantic drop off in talent I think these are just guys that they don't have the names I mean they don't some of these guys you know in the top three or four could be a top five Bellator fighter it's not like it's a gigantic drop off in talent it's just they're no name guys that no one knows about. And Rory's a, you know, huge name. So I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. And like, you know, they're not far out from the 2020 season. I mean, what are they, what are they going to announce that maybe February, March, he should be fighting. Yeah. I think what it says to me more than anything, honestly, is I don't think he feels like he could beat Douglas Lima. Yeah. Because I think that trilogy fight is is right there on the table. And, like, he could fight, you know, I think he could fight, like, an MVP or, like, a, uh, you know, maybe, like, a Koreshkov or a Lorenz Larkin or mm-hmm. someone like that. And then get right back and do the trilogy fight with Lima, which is bigger than any fight he could get in the PFL. But I don't think he thinks he could beat Lima. I think Lima kind of showed him something in their last fight where he said like i don't have that hunger anymore that lima has well in the first fight as well he took a lot of damage in that first fight i mean rory put on a hell of a performance to come back from all those leg kicks his leg you remember his leg from the first fight yeah with the big hematoma oh god yeah so i don't know that 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 came out of nowhere when i saw that on twitter today but, I mean, like I said, I think it'll be very interesting. And if he has success there, I think the money and the paydays are going to start getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And, you know, you'll see better fighters moving to PFL. And I think competition between the UFC, Bellator, PFL is nothing but good for MMA, I think. It's good for it's good for MMA, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I don't like that format. To be honest, yeah, I I think they'll have to change it up a little bit. I I agree with you. I don't think four to five fights a year is sustainable. Um, You know, maybe if they cut it to three somehow, I I think that would be you know more interesting. But I I don't know. 
And especially if you're going to be targeting older fighters, you know, I get it. If you're finding the Ray Coopers of the world that are, you know, young, hungry savages trying to make a name for themselves, but you know, you're not going to get top level 30 to 35 year olds to come over and want to fight, you know, three to five times a year. Well, and the other thing is like the TV ratings are, are really not good. Mm -hmm. Um, they're, they're struggling to sell tickets. Mm -hmm. It's something that I think they're struggling to generate interest in, um, outside of like really the hardcore fans. Mm -hmm. Um, but what I will say about that is if Rory can go on a run and then you've got Kayla Harrison in the women's division that could pick up steam very, very quickly, you know, with ESPN's backing. I agree. Yeah. I totally agree with you. I, I just wonder, for me, I wonder at, about, number one, Rory McDonald's ability to go on a run. Because if he's signing with PFL, that to me is not someone who's thinking like, I'm in the upper echelon of MMA. And that he wants to be the greatest in the world anymore. Yeah, I just, I think that's. I think he got, uh, I think he got paid like big time to make that move. Maybe. It's yeah. very possible. But you know what? Like, okay, so you win the PFL, you make a million dollars, right? Mm-hmm. What are they paying him per fight then? Like, you think they're paying him half a million per fight? Uh, it's probably, I'd say 250 to 500,000 a fight. You'd have to. I think that's what Kayla Harrison gets. I think she gets, you know, between 350 and 500 grand a fight. Um, but to get that caliber of fighter, you're going to have to. I mean, they're not going to take a a pay pay gray or pay deduction to roll the dice on a tournament style, you know, year to year fighting. Um, I, I think he probably got a very, very sweet deal and that's why he make the, made the move, but I'm going to be super interested to see if, if he can just put a huge run together. I think that's going to attract a lot of fighters to make, make a move just a different organization to get things moving where the UFC, like you said, is not as dominant as they had been, you know, in the past years, I think it's just going to give, a lot of other places, huge opportunity. So it's interesting. It's, I mean, it's very interesting. Um, so that's pretty much all I had there. Other current events. You, do you see Cub Swanson towards ACL and Quintet? Did you watch that event? That I thought it was pretty cool. Um, I was texting I really back and that. forth with, um, or I talked to Chad Mendez last night and he was a part of it. And he said, he said it was pretty cool. I mean, you had a lot of big names, just legends there. You had, I think you had Gomi, you had Glover Texera, you had Sugar Sean O'Malley. Um, who else? Ram, um, Jake Shields. Jake Shields was there. Jake Shields was the one that tore Cubs once his knee apart, wasn't it? Jake Shields beat like three guys in the the Strike Force versus WEC. I need uh, to go. I need to go back and watch that. I just saw the highlights, but the last one I believe they did. Um, I watched that. I really liked that. I think it was had like Josh Barnett and Uriah Faber. So I like that style. I mean, for jujitsu, I think that's very entertaining and it generates a lot of buzz. Like my Twitter was all quintet. Yeah, that was cool. Um, the other thing that's coming up this weekend that I think has got some interesting stuff going on is Bellator is going back to Hawaii. Um, I saw that. Is Lima Lay McFarlane, is she the headliner? Yep, she's going to fight. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised to see them sign Liz Carmouche and have her come back uh, and fight Alima Lay for the belt, even though they're training partners. Uh, Josh Barnett is making his Bellator debut on Friday night, so that's interesting. Let me pull up this card um, real quick. Wow, yeah, Josh Barnett is coming back. They got their uh, 
McKee and Campos, that's a that's a good fight. Yep, featherweight Grand Prix. Um, I think I think AJ McKee is as good a prospect as as anyone in in MMA right now. To be honest. Oh yeah, I mean he looks fucking good. Um, well, that's a pretty good card. I think this is kind of getting under. It's a little under the radar, but um, I, I think this is a really really good card. Is Lee Malay McFarland's on here, isn't she? She's uh so they're doing the back to back uh fights. So they have the Oh, uh, they Friday do a Friday night, Saturday with all the veterans for the Oh troops. my my guy Saturday my guy uh my guy Cass Bell is on this. I need to nice. shoot him I need to shoot him a message. Okay, let me see the Saturday card. Oh, here we go. That's got McFarlane and then McKee and Campos. Yeah, and like like Raytheon Stotts is a guy to watch. He's a bantamweight. Um, I think he's fought in Legacy a bunch, but he's twelve and one. Um, you know, great wrestler. He's he's a really good fighter. Um, I like it when I like it when Bellator does the back to back nights. Yeah, I, it's a lot. I think it's a lot. Um, I, I I think uh, I, I would I would personally prefer I like the one night, but. Um, when you go to a place like Hawaii, I think it makes sense though, um, because you're uh, you got to cart everything out to the island. They don't get a lot of stuff, so you know you could fill both nights. Like right. I much prefer them to do back to back in somewhere like Hawaii than when they do it in like Mohegan Sun in Connecticut. Um, yeah, I, I went to one of those when um, Paul Daly and MVP fought, and and that was like yeah, you could have made one card out of that. They're just stretching it out you have you know two good fights on each night but yeah i don't know i like bellator every time i go to a bellator event i have a great time you know they put on a good production so all right any other things you want to talk about before we get out of here i got to run to dinner here pretty shortly i think that's it for me man um but uh yeah definitely uh i i think you ufc 245 was was probably card of the year for me um as far as a whole card goes. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, just start to, I mean, literally I was like almost edge of my seat from the prelims all the way to the main card. I was watching the prelims on my phone in the car. I mean, it was, it was good stuff. That was start to finish the best card I think I've seen all year. Um, but yeah, great card. I mean, a lot of drama, obviously Colby Covington, Usman, the back and forth there, you got new champion and Volkanovsky, Amanda Nunes, you know, retains her goat status as a woman's fighter. And then you got Bantamweight is getting crazy. So, yeah, a lot of good stuff. A lot of good stuff. We will um, – let's plan to check back in around the McGregor-Cowboy fight. Sounds good to me, man. I have some – have plenty to preview there, and we can uh, do some diving into the uh, the Japan stuff happening around New Year's Eve too. That will be cool. Let's do it. All right, man. I appreciate you coming on again, and we'll we'll keep it rolling. Sounds good, Parker. Good time. Right, have a good night, brother. See you. Bye. Thanks for listening to Parker's MMA Show. Take a moment to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, and visit parkerkeen.com for additional information on Parker and to stay up to date on the latest drama in the fight world. For more information and important links about today's episode, check out the show notes.